This is the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam. You're listening to me right now on the Squared Circle because this is where all the real stars are at. Welcome to the Squared Circle, where wrestling's past, present, and future coming together. My name's Andy Evans. This is a very unique episode of the Squared Circle because we're going to be taking a look back to a classic wrestling pay per view and also welcoming a guest, and that's going to be Stefan Bennett from UKPW wrestling and also a wrestling super fan. Now, if you want to get in contact with us here at the Squared Circle, you can do all you need to do is visit the details on the right facebook retro chat podcast you can tweet us at retro chat pod email retro chat podcast at gmail.com visit the website or visit youtube and while you're there click the bell like and subscribe uh, because we can't do this without you guys now this week we are talking all about ecw one night stand it's our main focus we're going to be doing a retro event center but while before we do that stefan and i will also be talking about wrestlemania he was there in dallas this year we're going to get his thoughts on what it was like to actually be in attendance at wrestlemania wrestlecon who he met some of the experiences that he had and also touch on some of the latest news so it is a big one. It is Wrestle, uh, well, it's not WrestleMania. WrestleMania was in March. It is ECW One Night Stand 2005. I will be back after this. See you very soon. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist and TNA World Heavyweight Champion, Kurt Angle. And you're listening to The Squared Circle. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. And you better be listening or I'll break your freaking ankle. Welcome back to the Squared Circle, uh, right here on YouTube and on podcast. Joining me is my guest at this time. He is not only would we call him a super fan of professional wrestling, he's also involved in professional wrestling as a commentator and one of the uh, most evil managers on the UK scene. Uh, joining me is Stefan Bennett. Stefan, how you doing? Hi, Andy. Cheers. Uh, appreciate you having me on. No, pleasure. Well. So you are involved in the business. We've just said that. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about the companies that you're working for at the moment and what you're doing within professional wrestling. Uh, yeah, I, um, I've been working for UKPW, uh, United Kingdom Pro Wrestling, for I think coming up to nearly a decade now. Um, uh, the previous owner, Anton Green, he and I were friends in infant school. And I remember we, we used to talk about one day we would be involved in the business. Um, and not only, lo and behold, did Anton go on to actually have a pretty good wrestling career, but also own a promotion. Uh, my health had other things in mind. I trained very hard, but uh, doctors and that said that you, you've got things going on with your your, your health, etc. You won't, you would never be able to compete as an actual wrestler. So uh, I went away for a little bit, but I was given opportunities originally with uh, BECW based in London. They gave me my first ever um, job as a ring announcer and commentator there. And then um, I got drafted to UKPW. Anton got in contact with me one day and said, hey, look, there's a spot open. Do you want to come and do some ring announcing? And, and that for me, did that, worked my way up, ended up becoming a co-commentator to now lead commentator which is what I've, I've been doing um so yeah i've been doing that for, for nearly a decade now um i'm two-time uh ukpw personality of the year which was which is great because it's voted by the fans uh which was awesome and i've just started working for elite wrestling entertainment based in um Ballam in london uh working for terry thatcher and that um and uh, they have a good relationship with ovw with al snow uh i got the opportunity to finally bring this evil Kieran Cross character, which I created during lockdown, uh, to fruition. And they've been very supportive and the journey's just begun and so far so good. God, I remember Terry back from back in the old days doing some stuff for local promotions in Southampton. So God, that's a, 
That's in yeah, Nathan's yeah. the past. There he's the yeah, old captain. There he's the old captain. Is he all right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's he's, got, he's doing great. There's some great things in the pipeline um, that I know uh, he's looking to work on. Uh, I think it's like building and stuff like that. The uh, the the talent that we're getting through the doors is fantastic. Um, but yeah, he's he's doing really really well. Um, uh, we we had a bit of fun and games whilst I was in Dallas and Terry were back here. But we'll get into that a bit later when we touch on on all of that. But yeah, he's doing absolutely great. And he just turned around and said to me one day, that, you know, we should, we we don't really have any managers here. Um, you know, let's let's see what what you got. And uh, my debut came a lot sooner than I thought it would happen. Um, but it went yeah, it's, it's been really really well. And we're we've got a uh, we've got another show this Sunday at the Bedford in Ballum. Uh, the 26th Midsummer Madness, which I'm really looking forward to, because uh, the the card is looking is looking pretty good, pretty good. I've seen the videos online of of you de- making your debut as as the manager character. It's uh, impressive to say the least. You know, I've been involved in in wrestling for too long to remember, and you know, commentator for various promotions and ring announcers and all that type of thing, but. Yeah, you've really kind of got the uh, the the evil side of the manager down, but also the, I think the Bobby Heenan style of cunning, uh, yeah. and and the Doctor of style slick. I think you can see combinations of yeah, of yeah. both of them, you know, in that character. So yeah, check that out. We'll put a, we'll do another shout out as we go. Now you mentioned Dallas there, and we are going to be talking about ECW One Night Stand in just a moment, but um, Dallas is synonymous this year with WrestleMania. And you were there. What was it like being in Dallas, Texas for Mania with Austin's return, with KO, with the debut or the re-debut of Cody? Talk to us about what it was like. Well, um, I was really lucky. Um, I had uh, a friend of mine that was able to um, get me to go. Uh, it was it, That was uh, amazing in itself. And it was one of those things which didn't quite sink in until really close to the time I've always it's always been on the bucket list not only to go to mania um but also to go to America because I've never been to America either before before then and um yeah and it's taken me till I'm nearly 40 uh, to finally go but uh you know it was it was a bit because obviously everyone knows the current situation with WWE program and it's not great and I have a big love-hate relationship with the way WWE is now and you know a lot of people were kind of saying oh it's going to be one of the worst manias of all time it's you know it's terrible WWE don't know what they're doing and things like that I mean I was kind of like that may be the case but it's mania it's not just the event itself it's the entire week and weekend of everything thrown in together your accesses your wrestle cons everything meeting other fans from across the world and it lived up and surpassed expectations it really did i think the the people of dallas um were some of the nicest people i've ever met um they absolutely love us and our accents um they were very welcoming um i've never heard a reaction quite like austin's return when the glass shattered and that hit it literally it was like almost like there was a thunderous earthquake like happening it was that loud um you could feel the rumble around the uh the stadium it was incredible and the fact is everyone thought oh it's going to be a talking segment and there's going to be a few blows and then a stunner and then beer and then go home happy we didn't think we was going to get on in 15 minute uh no holds barred match which was such a great surprise but was really impressed with how both owens and austin worked well together and if it is officially Austin's last match, then all these years later, we finally got to see it, you know, and he's gone out on his terms, which is one of the things he, he mentioned in an interview leading up to Mania was I never got to leave on my own terms. Now I do. Yeah. So that was very, very special. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And to say you were there as well. I mean, you did a lot of live streaming uh, from the from the arena, <clears throat> excuse me, over Mania. And it was just seeing the excitement in your face and and the crowd around i mean it's a it's an atmosphere i've never been to mania you know you talk about getting into your 40s i'm in my 40s um i've never made it to mania it's something on the bucket list to do although i don't know if i want to go because it's wwe but it's i think you still go because it's got that wrestlemania name but yeah, the atmosphere must be a once in a lifetime 
experience. It is, and it's also, as I said, it's the people you meet. They help make the the experience, and it's not just mania itself. It is everything else. I mean, we got to uh, on the Friday. We uh, it was a massive day. We we did SmackDown and the Hall of Fame. The only reason why we decided to do SmackDown and the Hall of Fame was simple because Taker was going into the Hall of Fame. Um, and after the Hall of Fame, uh, which we arrived a bit late to, we went to Kevin Nash's VIP party, um, which unfortunately Nash wasn't in attendance because of obviously Scott Hall's passing. He he sent you know his um, a, a message to say look you know I'm sorry I can't be there, but everyone understood. But X Pac was there. Um, it was really interesting partying with the lights of Carlito. Um, Adam Sherr or Braun Strowman, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, was drunk doing this. I've got some great footage of him dancing on a stage. Um, but the person for me that really captivated the the the, the fun was uh, was Nia Jax. She, uh, everyone has this pre, you know, this pre assumption of what she's like, and I've never met so- someone who's so down to earth and fun loving as she was she was great with everybody that was there um we we had such fun um she um she we we had a dance which uh, i've got the video footage of which uh, i sent to a few people back home and i got a few uh, comments <laughs> about uh, you know you jammy sod and whatnot um but yeah that was a, a bit of an experience in itself uh, uh, as well but also wrestlecon um meeting people like Danhausen who you know who's never been to the UK so to be able to actually go over there and meet this guy in person and he is everything if you're a fan of what he does online he is everything and more um he really does give you that full Danhausen experience um and he was an absolute pleasure to meet but uh, what you touched on when we was talking about my manager gimmick uh, when you mentioned slick um i got to meet slick and i didn't realize how tall the guy really is he look he's he's a uh, great shape for his age and um we had this conversation uh and he said that you know he was looking at either ukpw t-shirt on and he asked about it and i said it's a promotion back home that i work for um, and I said, you know, there's another promotion which I've, I'm start. I'm going to debut soon, doing uh, as, as a heel manager. And he was like, all right, he's like, have you got anything? And I showed him basically just the promo photo shoots of me in character. And he looked and he was like, he was like, oh, he was like, you look good. He said the suit, he looks good. He said, I can see it, I can see it. And he was giving me all this advice, and I'm taking everything he's saying in because I was like, you know, he was one of my favourite managers uh, of the late '80s, early '90s. So he's he's given me all this advice and which was quite surreal. Um, but he's even meeting people like Teddy Long, uh, who wasn't even advertised, I think, to even be at WrestleCon and getting advice from him. And, you know, and it was it, it is it just is a massive, huge part of what makes the experience, uh, you, you know, of, of the whole thing. It's not just being at WrestleMania. It's everything, the lead up to it and then the fallout of it as well. It's just this massive um it's like a a party that goes on for best part of like four or five days that's yeah. the best way to explain it. It, it in some ways it kind of goes on a bit too long doesn't it because you kind of mania it out by the end of it, you know and you do <clears throat> excuse me smackdown uh wrestlemania smackdown then the hall of fame then nxt then mania night one then mania night two then wrestlemania raw then you've got wrestlemania smackdown after all then you've got WrestleMania backlash it's just a little bit too much but I mean it's you know you talk there about meeting like Teddy Long and the superstars and Slick the legends I mean that's what this show is all about wrestling's past present and future the squared circle um who's on the bucket list who do you want to meet uh at the moment now all that's left is Tully Blanchard which uh, unfortunately he was there but apparently he wasn't feeling well so he had to leave early so I didn't get to meet him but I got to meet Arn Anderson which was um yeah and he put his title belt um over my shoulder and, and that was a, a beautiful moment because I've met Flair uh, I've always wanted to meet all of the, the the original horsemen um and there's only uh really Ole and uh JJ that I've not yeah. met obviously Tully um but on my bucket list now, I think for me, it's only really, it's, uh, I want to meet Triple H. I've, I've been a big Triple H fan since sort of late 99. Um, uh, so for me, it's got it's got to be um, Rock, Austin, Triple H. That's it now. I met Taker while I was over there uh, on the Sunday uh, at Access. That was surreal in itself. Mm. And um, so that was the pinnacle for me. Uh, so... 
you know, that was crossed off. Because my original one was I only ever uh, wanted to meet Hogan because I was, that's who got me into wrestling, despite people's opinion of him now. And I managed to do that back in 2015. So that I've had that. And then I, then it was Flair. And that also happened, um, I think, in 2015 as well. So it was kind of like, right, next up's got to be the likes of Taker and, and, and that. And lo and behold, Taker was one that I managed to... But at least yeah. you can take you were, you know, not too far away from Austin in the ring for two nights. Exactly. You exactly. Yeah. You, you heard the glass pop. You heard yeah, the glass go. I want to get your opinion before we move on to ECW because there's been a lot happening the past 10 days, seven to 10 days. Okay. Kicked off last Wednesday. Uh, the board of the board of uh, the WWE board of directors investigating Vince and Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis. Since that's happened, Stephanie's interim CEO uh, and and chairman of the chairwoman of the board. McMahon is still head of creative. God knows why. We've had two appearances, very bizarre appearances on both SmackDown and on Monday Night Raw. What's your take in this situation? Where do you think this is heading up? Well, I mean, there's got to be something there if it's... becoming that if it's blowing up to be as big as what it appears to be i think the last i i read was apparently there's five different law firms now investigating them i mean it's vince mcmahon you know there's i mean you wouldn't put it past him if a lot of this is true it, uh, if if it is there's got to be something there um i mean obviously i don't know them personally i don't I, i've never been a fan uh, of john laurinaitis and uh and him in talent relations anyway um I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, my, my take, I think there's too many people in charge of the same things in WWE. And I think there's loads of mixed signals and people have got different ideas and like they go to Vince and then Vince is just like, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll go yeah. with whatever. And I think that's one of the reasons why WWE suffered for so long. Uh, I think it just needs to have uh, key people in, in a certain position and they have a, a clear directive and go for that. And I also think, ultimately they should trust the talent more to guide their own careers and their own characters i mean we look at the likes of austin and rock uh, and triple h and everything like that they uh, i mean even take a like evolving constantly evolving his character you've got to have trust in them to know that they know what they're doing and that they will give you the best uh, of themselves and let them run with it because that's how big stars are made. It, you know, you can't create them yourself. It's them and the fans' reaction that make them the stars. And I think that's been the biggest issue with WWE for so long. So if this thing with um, Vince, I mean, I still think Vince should have hung up five, ten years ago. I think oh, yeah. he should have, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's not just nothing to do. You know, he, he's not a young guy. I mean, you look at him now. You know, he's in great shape, but yet in his face, you can see he looks very worn down. He looks very, you know, very, very tired. And that, you know, go and enjoy retirement. Uh, I was surprised to hear about apparently him and Linda had been separated for quite some time. Although I did wonder before Mania when he was on the Pat McAfee show, and I watched that where he, he offered McAfee the chance to wrestle at Mania. Uh, he, he did quote, say, my wife at the time. And I did kind of think, okay, but then I was like, oh, maybe that was just, you know, something he just said, you know, take it so seriously. So there's obviously a lot that's gone on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, I still think the shame, this allegedly thing that shame got kicked out of WWE after the Royal Rumble, I think that's uh, something serious must have happened there for him not to have his own son around and to kick his own son out of the company. Um, I just think, you know, when back in the Attitude Era, when we used to call them a man's on on screen, the most dysfunctional family, I actually think maybe this is actually coming into a reality now, uh, 20 odd years later, um, because that's what it looks like. You can just just imagine the WWE Network on Peacock doing uh, the the McMahon reality show, can't you? A day in the life of... of don't, don't. It'll be I mean, you remember that that quote from uh, the McMahon documentary that came out in the mid '90s, where he was actually debating selling pay per view tickets to the birth of his grandchild from yeah. Stephanie. Do you remember that? Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. But let's just take the appearances. We are going to move on to ECW in a second, but let's just take the appearances because they touted the Friday Night SmackDown appearance as Mr. McMahon will address the wwe universe and all he did was come out and say then now forever and left was a a weird 
thing to do. Um, it was a it was a cold open. Then it went to the soft open with the music. Then on Raw, unannounced, came out to say John Cena's back on Monday night. Is this WWE's way of saying, right, we're trying to keep McMahon in the limelight. He's still here. He's still working. Screw what the business reports are saying. He's still around. Is this a desperation attempt to try and appease the sponsors and the and the shareholders? I mean, it's possible. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, I know there was a lot of leading up jokes on social media last night that he was going to potentially just appear at the beginning of NXT last night and uh, and just say say whatever um, and then leave. Um, it's very weird the way it's being done. Um, I think there could be an element of truth in what you said. It could be to, to appease the sponsors. Um, also, part of me can't help but think maybe this is Vince doing a Vince thing as if to he's doing it to really piss off some people at the same time because that's what Vince does. He doesn't care. Um, it, it's just very, very weird. But then again, I find a lot of the appearances that Vince does these days very weird. He doesn't seem... This is why I say about his age, and I think it's time for him to step back. Because he, when even he, when he makes normal appearances on TV, there's just something off mm. about him. It's not the Mister McMahon we all knew and loved to hate over the years for the right reasons. It's I don't know. Sometimes I look at him and I think he just looks a little bit frail and a little bit broken. He's not, you know, it's like he's lost mm. something, um, and I can't help but ignore that, you know. And that was almost always shown clear. At WrestleMania on night two, with yes. the whole Pat McAvee, Austin Theory match, and then the ending, which seemed to go longer than the match, um, and you know that really weak stunner. That, in my opinion, and I said this on, on another wrestling show uh, with Lee, that it really hurt that match because actually Pat McAvee pulled out a great, a great five ten minutes with Austin Theory, much better than anybody expected. And then McMahon came out and stole the limelight, but he was off. You're right. He's off kilter somewhere. The other interesting thing, and this will be the last thing we touch on, then we'll move on to ECW now, um, is the talent reaction to Stephanie being named interim CEO is, is amazing. From what we're hearing in terms of the reports, they are so pleased that Stephanie's running the show. I agree with you there. Uh, I think there's a lot of respect within WWE uh, and its performance for Stephanie, but not only Stephanie, but even Triple H. I mean, for years we had all this thing about um, people think Triple H was a massive problem. You know, he would bury um talent etc etc until we got the nxt black and gold brand that we grew to love which most people including myself was at the time saying you know for a good few years it was probably the best product wwe actually had mm. and i see the the memes and the uh, social media comments we're saying uh, you know stephanie's in charge and it's like oh you know what triple h is saying now like give me my old nxt back sort of thing but we're not that's not going to happen but i honestly think um if Stephanie was to be CEO full-time, if Triple H was to have the full-time running of the creative direction and things like that, I, I honestly think we could see WWE in probably the best place it's been in about 10, 15 years. Uh, uh, I do think he gets it. Um, it must have been heartbreaking for him to see, um, you know, uh, a lot of the talent like Champa and Gargano and all but these guys he worked with in NXT, see them go up to the main roster and then see their, you know, their runs completely diminished right. and become a joke. Yeah. I mean, look at what Champ is doing now at the moment. He's, you know, he's having this weird thing going on with like the Miz and, uh, and now attacking AJ Styles, but it's not the, ch the Champa that we know, you know, it, it's like a watered down, completely different version. You know, when we had Karrion Cross uh, come up and they put him in that gladiator style kilt type, Ring uh, ring attire, which I spoke to him about in Dallas by <laughs> about that as well, and he absolutely hated it. Um, it must have been really, really hard for Triple H to have turned around and, and, and gone everything that we've built and that we've done. We've we've created stars, and we know these are stars because the crowd are telling you these are stars. And then as soon as they come up, it's like, no, you're still going to play second, third, fourth fiddle to Reigns and Rollins and all that, like you know, people that we've you know been in the main event for the past ten plus years you know it's um i th i think I, I would hope that triple h if he's well enough to do so uh would be able to um have that role uh and actually take care of the main uh brands uh, and go from there and, and re help a rebuild because every great global empire i think there comes a time where there has to be a reset button here and i think it's long overdue now with wwe 
Um, so, but yeah, just to touch on the, uh, before we go through ECW, the whole Pat McAfee thing. Pat McAfee was probably the most over person in the entire Mania weekend. The reaction he got was outstanding. There were people that I spoke to that weren't familiar with him. And I said, uh, if you want to see what McAfee can do, go on the network and check out what he did in NXT with Adam Cole and War Games. Watch that and then you have a, a little bit of an idea of what to expect. Because I knew he would deliver something um, uh, because I could see he could wrestle. And that's why I respect him. The same thing with that bad bunny. If they're willing to put the work in and take it seriously and then go ahead and put on great performances, then I've got no problem with seeing them. I know a lot of people who say, oh, celebrities, they don't belong. But if they can definitely work, then why not? Yeah, but there's celebrities and there's people like, uh, you know, Jojo or Jojo, whatever she was from the reality show, you know, remember? <clears throat> that's, that's a different kettle of fish. But it's yes. going to be interesting because I think at the moment, this reset, or potential reset of WWE is the biggest threat to AEW's popularity in a good three years. You know, because they get this right, they reset it and they get it right. You are going to see the likes of Adam Cole go back. You will see the likes of Jericho go back. You will see the likes of Danielson maybe going back. And I think they let the youngsters run it. They let the youngsters play with what they did in NXT that's obviously worked and let them go. Because, you, you know, you, you talk about um, who's the NXT champion now? Steiner's. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bron Breaker. Yeah, Bron Breaker. Um, yeah. You can see, yeah, Rick Steiner's son. You can see him going up to the main roster and they completely changing the gimmick. They don't need to because it works. Exactly. Right, let's talk about ECW. Yes. One Night Stand because it was in 2005 and it took place on June the 12th actually in 2005 only a week ago um where ecw returned to pay-per-view at the manhattan ballroom the hammerstein ballroom the location of monday night raw from 1993 um also the home of gcw uh from late last year for one night stand featuring some of the iconic ecw performers there was only two and a half thousand people in attendance you didn't feel that no, you 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 heard different. It it, it was one of the most electrifying uh, all, uh, crowds um, for such a small, what you would call a small attendance for a pay per view. Um, I still remember the build up to it uh, as well, and I loved the idea. And I just kept thinking, please don't WWE dominate this. Like, let it be what it is. And what I loved was the current WWE superstars performing under their old monikers that they had, you know, Jericho was Lionheart, Chris Jericho, you know, we had those, um, you know, they were who they were back then in ECW. They weren't the WWE guys. And um, yeah, I remember the build up to it and there was a lot of kind of excitement, but at the same time going in with the kind of how, how much is Vince going to dish, you know, um, smother this in WWE stuff, which, was a little bit evident the following year in 2006, um, although it was a smart choice to have RVD walk out as champion the following year over Cena, because the alternative mm, wouldn't have gone down very well. But well, yeah, I remember the build-up to it. It was exciting. Yeah, let's put it this way. If you look at 2006, One Night Stand, Cena wouldn't be celebrating 20 years next week. Uh <laughs> <laughs> He definitely would have saved us from the Marine. Um, or some of those other films that he's done. Um, you know, the one thing I loved about this, and you, you touched on it there, was the WWE performers going back in time. Even a small thing like Rey Mysterio coming out to Rey Mysterio Jr., you know, and Jericho coming out with the old waistcoat. Even though it was their music that they used in WWE, you could get away from that. Joey Styles, the voice of ECW. There was a part of me that always wanted it to be just joey calling the entire event but you've got to admit that partnership between him and the hardcore legend mick foley just worked in it i watched it the it, other day doing this yeah. and it was just it took you back it, it did i mean i've got a lot of love for joey styles um you know i mean we all saw what what happened with him when he went into wwe and uh he had that big meltdown and quit on on live tv and i actually felt for him because you know, there's a guy that, you know, he he may have been, you know, the solo voice of 
ECW for, for so long. And, you know, but he, he earned that respect and love from fans. And I feel that they should have just let him do what he does and have entrusted him to continue doing what he does. Uh, but you are right. Um, I, I, I think if it had been anyone else other than Foley, it might not have worked. But I think, you know, obviously Foley had experience of working in ECW. Foley's got a lot of love for ECW as well. Um, there was something that just worked perfectly between the two of them that night. And, uh, you know, and it, it could have been a lot worse, but it was, yeah, it was really good what, what they did. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man and everything's got a price tag on it. And this show, The Square Circle, has been bought by the million dollar man. <laughs> All right, welcome back to The Squared Circle. Uh, we're here talking ECW One Night Stand with Stefan Bennett. Um, Stefan, I want to take us a bit further on into the night, okay? Because we're not going to go match by match. We're not going to go card by card. But I want to talk about the Raw and SmackDown invaders. So that had been the buildup that you were talking about. They were coming in. Um, they obviously had an issue with ECW running a pay-per-view in its entirety. And they were led, of course, by John Layfield and Eric Bischoff. Good old Easy e which we all know about that relationship between Bischoff and, and Heyman. But I want to take you to the promo that Paul Heyman cut. I'm going to give you uh, some, some quotes. The crowd are chanting, thank you, Paul. Um, he thanked several people and he spoke to Eric Bischoff, stating that Bischoff was in ECW's house, not WCW. They've never done one. He then turned to Edge and said, hide your wives. It's Edge, which, of course, was a play on, on the Lita and the yeah. storyline there but the killer blow was when he commented commented that the only reason that jbl was wwe champion for a year was because triple h did not want to work tuesdays a reference to uh, of course smackdown being taped on a tuesday this promo by paul Heyman, we know he's good on the mic but did this solidify it to you as being an ecw event because of Heyman? i was still a little bit skeptical about the way the show that was following. Um, but there was no doubt in my mind that when he delivered that promo, I, when, when he was it, during that promo, my excitement levels went up because I was kind of like, Oh, well, if Heyman can say all that, he's saying all of this, you know, I know Vince doesn't mind certain things because we've seen Heyman cut some brilliant promos on Vince before in, in, you know, on raw uh, and SmackDown before. Uh, but when he delivered that, I was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, he's 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 really shooting uh, on some of this now. And I have to say, I really love that whole um, idea of having uh, current WWE talent sitting up in those box areas up there um, and taking a lot of heat. You know, it was, like, it was almost like their way of just being dangled uh, from in a safe area from a, a ruckus crowd where they were getting hated on. And I thought that was genius placement to give them as much heat as possible. So that combined with uh, Heyman's promo, I, I think it really was the catalyst to set off what was going to be a, a really memorable night. It, it yeah. worked for me. And the placement of where it was on the card as well, because it didn't kick it yeah. off. They teased it all the way through. We had some great matches. Of course, you mentioned Jericho Lionheart. You had Psychosis and Rey Mysterio. You had the ECW three-way dance that, you know, it's the, the proper rules, not the triple threat thing where it's one fall to a finish. Um, you know, you had Dawn Marie make an appearance. You had Lance Storm's last match. You had Tony Marmaluke. You had Nunzio. You had the memorial for those that had passed, which was at that point in 2005. I mean, that was heartbreaking and now you just see how many more since that point um Absolutely. and you then obviously had the main event which was the sandman and sabu going up against um no sandman and tommy dreamer sorry going up against the the dudley boys yeah. the old school dudley boys which, which didn't you know it that was ecw to a t wasn't it yes yeah i, I was also because so, if i remember correctly there was no matches that really I mean, I don't think any of the matches really went on long. They were they weren't long matches like you would see in WWE, where you would have, I don't know, a selection of ten of minute 
matches, 10, 15 minute matches, and then you'd have like one, maybe two matches that go on for about 20 plus minutes. It, I, I do remember the matches being quite short um, or a reasonable time. Um, but it was a very, very interesting card. Uh, it was a very ECW-like card as well, so which the, is the, what, the what longest, I... Yeah. yeah. The longest match ran for 11 minutes, and there was two of them. There was uh, the Dudley Boys uh, against the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer in the main yeah. event. That ran for 11 minutes. And then Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. Also, I mean, Benoit Guerrero, I mean, they could have... You could have given them all night... And they, everyone would have been complete and utterly glued to it. Um, you know, and this is one of the things I loved about ECW as well is ECW kind of didn't discriminate on the styles of wrestling. ECW was wrestling for everyone. You know, you had everything from Lucha Libre to technical masterclasses to hardcore, mm. you know, anarchy matches to your standard matches. And I think as well, that's one of the things where I, th I think ECW did really well with taking shot at WCW because where WCW was synonymous with having, you know, the likes of Guerrero, Milenko, Rey Mysterio, Billy Kidman, so, um, you know, Psychosis, uh, Juventud Guerrero, you had some of the best high flyers in the world um but the fans weren't really interested in those matches all they cared about was the nwo uh, angles and their matches and i really f used to feel because I, I remember watching some of those matches back and you look at the crowd while the matches are on you look at the crowd in the background and people are not even watching they're talking amongst themselves they're in and out of going to the toilets or concessions or wherever they're going and you know it's and the fact that bischoff didn't make that more of a standout point of what WCW had. I, I, I always thought that was a big mistake on his part, whereas yeah. ECW, it was completely different. I was going to say, it wasn't until TNA, really, in 2002, mm -hmm. the X Division, where it really kind of showcased a bit more ECW style in terms of the, the, the no weight limits. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you look back on the network and you look at WCW Nitro, what are the matches that are still watchable to this day? It's the Cruiserweights. You know, it's Eddie Guerrero oh, versus Rey Mysterio. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the yeah, Parker yeah. versus Super Crazy, all that type of thing. So the card ran like this. Lance Storm defeated Chris Jericho in seven minutes. Um, Super Crazy defeated Little Guido and Tajiri with Father James Mitchell in a three-way dance. That was six minutes. Uh, Rey Mysterio defeated Psychosis in the Extreme Rules match in six minutes. Sabu defeated Rhino in seven minutes. Benoit defeated Eddie Guerrero in 11 minutes. Mike Awesome, former ECW world champion, uh, the late great Mike Awesome, defeated Masato Tanaka in 10 minutes. And then in 11 minutes, the Dudleys defeated the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. Now, what I didn't know until doing this research, I'm not sure if you did, Jericho wasn't meant to be on the card. The original yeah, match would be Chris yeah. Candido. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember. I mean, I didn't, I don't remember all of the explanation as to why, um, but I do remember it was supposed to be Candido and not Jericho. So um, the, the reason behind it was that Candido passed two months prior. That was it, yeah. That was it. And so you think about 2005, we could have seen the return of Tammy Sitch and Chris Candido to WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking about Mike Awesome as well, I think that might have actually been the last time I ever saw him wrestle. I think it was because he might have I think done that a might have been the last. Yeah, I think, but for me, I, I think that was the last match I ever saw him wrestle that I saw uh, yeah. before his passing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, it is, it, it's, it's weird, isn't it, when you think about you know how many years have passed since that pay-per-view itself and then you and then you think well candido passed away two months prior mike awesome passed away a little while up later and that and you now think take that into account and now take on the fact that this uh pay-per-view was what like 17 years ago or yeah. something now which still doesn't seem real yeah. you know um but uh yeah it's do you, do you know what the testament to a good pay-per-view is if you can watch one from back in the day and you are still captivated today. Yes. Yeah. And I think I can honestly say, I mean, this has had the moniker of being perhaps the greatest wrestling pay-per-view of all time. It's what a lot of people have called it. I would disagree with that. I think WrestleMania X7 is up there. I think All Out um, and All In is up there as well. Um, yeah. 
but it's definitely in the top five because you can put this one on and just because of the workers and the crowd, which play a really important part, um, you are sucked back to 2005 and just get into the action. Yeah, uh, definitely top five. It, it's not even debatable, in my opinion. It's it's top five. I still maintain WrestleMania 17, X7 is still the best pay-per-view uh, of, of all time. There, there was just something special about that WrestleMania. I, I can't put my finger on it. I still think that the whole Austin aligning with Vince kind of was a shouldn't have happened. I don't, I don't you know, all right, they admitted later on it, it backfired, it didn't work. Um, but it's um the, the pay-per-view as a whole was in, was incredible i mean how many times have we seen take a triple h at wrestlemania and i think that was the first time they were against each other at mania and it was a really really good match um, yeah. and then obviously we got the tlc um uh, as well um i think it was jericho regal which was an, the opener that in itself was also a great match for the intercontinental championship there just wasn't a bad match on that card um and it's, at and all it's just the same as this pay-per-view there wasn't you you can't no, there wasn't you can't pick a dud. And even if you think about, you know, we said Tajiri and Super Crazy was in the match, you know. Yes. Not known as being the best, really. Mm. It wasn't a dud match. And it got just as much time as Jericho Lance Storm. Yeah. And this, this is the thing. You have to be, I think, a big, either a big wrestling fan in general or a, would have had to have been a fan of the original ECW to really appreciated that, that card because if you were just a standalone WWE fan and you would have looked at that card you would have wondered why people would be going mad over the likes of Super Crazy, Tajiri, uh, Rhino uh, for example because they were all watered down nowhere near living their potential what we knew they were when they were in WWE they were just there you know almost like fit as fillers mo mostly um <laughs> The only unfortunate thing about this event is what happened afterwards, because the minute the card was finished, they went back to being the WWE versions of themselves, even the Dudleys, you know? So yeah. it was like one moment in time that you could freeze and go, this is ECW back together again. Was it not? I mean, I might be wrong. You may know this. Um, wasn't it this pay-per-view the catalyst that started the birth of the, or was it two thousand the following year of the WWE CW? Yes. Uh, that's to say, it was um, because that was the thing. Because at the very start, they used a lot of ECW originals, and people thought, "Oh my god, okay, this is great," you know. And and then it just started to transition uh, bit by bit into what it so ended up being. The story is that RVD went to. Vince and to Paul Heyman and said, why can't we do an ECW tribute show? So it was RVD who was meant to be organizing it with Heyman. RVD then got injured and couldn't appear at One Night Stand 2005. So when you look at that card, that's the big notable exception on there. Uh, it's no Rob Van Dam. Circle forward a year, the crowd reaction was still hot. They wanted ECW. And, and that's something about ECW, even to this day, even with the watered down WECW, there is still this appetite for what Heyman and ECW did out of a bingo hall in Philadelphia. Um, they did it again. They did One Night Stand 2006. Not quite the same because it was mixing up the WWE with the ECW performers. And then that's when we had WECW because it wasn't not long after One Night Stand that Joey Styles did the worked shoot and walked out on Monday Night Raw. Him and Taz started doing ECW on Sci-Fi. And then, of course, you, you think about 2006 in December, we had that god-awful December yeah, to December pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the concept of it, it was kind of like, okay, this is interesting. You watched it, it was a dumpster fire. It was absolutely god -awful. It was pro probably the worst thing I've ever seen. It, had, it wasn't booked until an hour before uh, bell time. Yeah. That, that's how bad. And that's Heyman saying that himself. You know, what made ECW One Night Stand work in my opinion um and correct me if i'm wrong here is the fact that vince was hands off so was creative it was paul Heyman. he booked who he wanted he did it ecw style the set the walkway with the old brick you know they walk through the door with a fake brick yep. the crowd but the one thing that i still can't get over about this whole pay-per-view is the beginning when they did thq destroy all human sponsors ecw one night stand it was like back in the you knew why it had to be there right but back in the day that wouldn't have happened and that was like oh no this is wwe isn't it 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. But if that's yeah. the one criticism I can give ECW One Night Stand is because they played a promo for Destroy All Humans, uh, then, you know, I'm cutting hairs. I think the only one of the few if, uh, good things that I think came out of the WWE ECW thing was the way they allowed to give a lot of time to CM Punk, who had come into WWE at the time. And it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, we know there's this big buzz around who you are and, you know, from Ring of Honor and the Indies. We know that uh, all this about you. Uh, let's put you here. Let's see what you can really deliver. And then we'll go from there. And he just ate it up. He went on this incredible run. Uh, the WWE fan base started to fall in love with him. And it worked for him. And that's why I think he was probably one of the most successful um, stories from the WWE ECW thing because there isn't really anyone else that stands out from that period um that transitioned uh to that I can think of off the top of my head I mean Kelly Kelly was another one because she did uh, all her things and, and whatnot but uh yeah there was um I think just a you know mainly I think Punk's the main standout Punk was your main one but I would argue that and go the Miz because I think it was the Miz and John Morrison, the dirt cheap. Yeah, Miz and Morrison. Yeah, no, that's that, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think Miz, I don't think Miz necessarily needed WWE ECW. I think he just needed um, a little bit more screen time and just to, you know, uh, and it worked. It, it did. The dirt sheet was, was brilliant. Uh, we used to love all that back then, not the version that we had in the past year or so before Morrison got released. No, 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 the classic, the classic. The classic, yeah. You know, Stefan, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking ECW with you and talking a bit more yeah, about your you. run in, in, in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to put the offer out there. Would you be willing to come back onto the Squared Circle again and talk more wrestling? Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Amazing. All right. Well, stay with me for just a second. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll be wrapping up the Squared Circle for this week and telling you what is coming up on the Retro Chat podcast. I have two shows. It's very difficult to manage what the shows are. Um, we'll be back with more after this Stefan stay with me thanks for joining us if you want to get in contact with Stefan by the way his Instagram is under his name Stefan Bennett 82 hey this is Olympic gold medalist and TNA world heavyweight champion Kurt Angle and you're listening to the squared circle oh it's real it's damn real and you better be listening or I'll break your freaking ankle My thanks there go out to Stefan Bennett for joining me for what was a, a great chat. Talking a whole plethora of different topics from uh, WrestleMania weekend to WrestleCon to ECW One Night Stand to thoughts on Vince and WrestleMania X7. I think we did it a lot in that time. So my thanks, of course, go to Stefan. Now, next week on Retro Chat, we're shifting gears. We're going on to the Retro Chat podcast. We are going to be talking all about the silver hawks now we said we were going to do that this week we did uh, a couple of additional squared circles instead um because of things that were happening slammiversary which is available on the youtube feed and of course the anniversary of ecw one night stand so silver hawks will be coming back next week as part of the retro chat podcast so please join me for that uh all that's left for me to say is thank you for joining us for the square circle this week if you would like to get in contact then please do all of the subscription details for social media are on the right if you're watching on screen and in the narrative both on podcast but facebook at retro chat podcast tweet us at retro chat pod or email retro chat podcast at gmail.com and please if you are watching on youtube um please click the subscribe button and like to get the latest notifications and if you're a podcast listener please hit subscribe or follow it helps us go up the rankings uh, in order to bring you the best guests. Until next week, I'm Andy Evans. I will see you all very soon. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.